Thank you for listening to audio from Glen Meadows Baptist Church. We hope it blesses you in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you are not a current member of Glen Meadows, we encourage you to visit one of our services, Sundays at 9 a.m., 10.30 a.m., and 6.30 p.m. Open up your Bibles to the book of Genesis, and we will continue our series uh, dealing with what we believe and what you believe comes out in your life. People can actually tell you what you believe. They can see it in how you do things and how you react, and they can see it in your emotions. You can't hide what you really believe. And so sometimes it's good for a congregation like ours to go through what we believe. And so we started with the Bible, that we believe the Bible is the very Word of God without error, uh, completely infallible, inspired, inerrant Word of God, and that in its original uh, writings, there, it is absolutely perfect, and you have that in your lap right there. If you don't have a Bible, there's one in the chair in front of you, and we'll be in the book of Genesis. So we looked at what the Bible is. We've also looked at who God is and His essence and His character, His attributes. We also considered God the Father and His unique personhood and, and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And today we're going to be looking at <clears throat> what, it, what does it mean to be human? What is man? What is woman? Who are we? Because when you answer this question, it begins to answer a lot of other questions in your life. And we go to answer this question to the very first verse in the Bible. And in Genesis 1-1, we see probably one of the most, in fact, I would say it's the most important verse in the Bible and what you believe about it. And where it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And this tells us that how the earth was started, that there was the uncreated one that created everything, period. The, the, the material he used didn't exist. And when usually I start a message by starting with context, there is no context to Genesis 1-1. None. There's no background. It's nothing. There's nothing to say. And it's amazing. I'm talking a long time about nothing, but there was nothing there. And then there was, there's God. And then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And he created sequentially, in order, and this passage is screaming at you and me about the very nature of God and how you relate to it as a human and how you are uniquely designed. So in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In other words, there is nothing else that exists other than earth and heavens, nothing else. And then it's a sequential order, and it says that the earth was formless and empty and darkness covered the surface, this is verse 2, of the watery depths and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters as if to say it was just eerie. I don't know another way to say it. It hints of that. God created at the very beginning and there was this massive expanse of darkness, moisture, the Spirit hovering and just quietness. Chaotic, if you will. In other words, absent of order, and something had to be done. So God just started with this, and then He sequentially moves in verse 3, and He said, let there be light, and there was light. No sun, no moon, just light, because God is light. Jesus says, I am light, His presence. He just manifest His presence, and God saw that the light was good. And then that was day one. Then day two, Uh, He builds the expanse in the sky. That's the second day. In other words, just making it bright, distinguishing earth and sky. Uh, Then we have day three. 
the seas, the vegetation. There we have in verse 12, the making of seed bearing fruit, just showing multiplication, that God has a design in here of kind after kind of reproduction, and it was good. That was day three. Day four, uh, God made two great lights, and that's from the earth's perspective, where you have the sun, you have the moon, and then uh, in this fourth day, great things began to happen. He called it good. Day five, you see there was the fish and the birds and all kinds and livestock, and it's beginning to grow, and it's good. That's day five. And so you see this sequential order, and the sequential order goes from simple to complex. It doesn't go the other way around. It goes from ignorance, if you will, or lack of knowledge to brilliance. It doesn't go the other way around. It's not that brilliance dictate, dictates who God is. God dictates what brilliance is and knowledge, and he defines it so clearly. And you see it in the simple things of just dirt. Simple. Dirt is dirt. When dirt gets under pressure, it turns into rocks. And then these rocks begin to grow, and God builds them up and where you have mountain ranges that are a result of the massive flood from the Tetons to uh, Mount Everest and all that you see. And as complex as it is, which is incredibly complex, geology, the crust of the earth, it doesn't begin to ask near the same questions. It doesn't have uh, the miraculous properties that one cell in your body has. You hear what I'm saying? You can take the telescope and you can look at all the galaxies and there aren't near the questions about the galaxies as we still have in one cell in your body to where the scientists are looking at it and go, I don't know, I don't know what does, I don't know how the stuff sticks together. I don't get it. I mean, there may be a few questions about space, but there's unending questions about one cell in your body and you are made at the end of a sequential order of simple to complex, from dirt to plant life to water, then, then you have birds, then you have animals, and then you have day six, which is just fantastic. It's building up. The whole passage is building up to a crescendo. You know that little symbol thing there? I mean, you hear that going up. I was kind of hoping he would stay up here. <laughs> just to add a little effect here, but uh, no, it's okay. You can stay. <laughs> but you know, some churches play the organs while the pastor preaches, and that's uh, it's not fair. But that's that's what they do. So here we go. Can you imagine a crescendo happening? And there we have day six, verse twenty-six. Then this is it. Then God said, "Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness." A play on words, likeness, image. Very distinctive words, but a play on words. It's parallelism. And he's saying this, let us, uh, the plurality of us in our image, uh, don't let that confuse you, refer back to last Sunday night, we dealt with that and in, in what that surrounding was when, when God said that. And so if you, didn't, if you weren't here, then you can listen. Th I think you can listen online last Sunday. If not, we'll make sure it's on there. And we described that, but we don't have time to go back to that. But God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. So God started a creation process. And here's what they are going to do. They will rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, the whole earth, and the creation that crawls on the earth. So God created man and woman. God created man 
in his own image. He created him in his image, and he created them male and female. So God directly, divinely, had a divine design for you and for me that was very, very different from all the other creation. And so let's break this down. What does it mean for you and I to be in the very image of God? First of all, here's, let me give you two things that it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that you are God. Don't, don't go there. That is a lie. That is heresy. That is a miscommunication. It's a misconstrued scripture that people like to use. I've even heard, quote, Christian pastors say that, that you are little gods with a little g, and that is just a bunch of junk. Don't listen to that stuff. It's nonsense. That's not what image and likeness means. It's not that you are God. Also, it's not that God is in human flesh, that your flesh is actually uh, a representation of God himself. Although, here's what it does mean. It does mean that you are in the likeness, in essence, in identity, and in productivity, which has to do with responsibility. That's what it means to be in the likeness of God, which is other than plants, other than animals. You and I are made with a certain essence. And what I mean by essence is this, and we've talked about this when we talked about God himself, that God has characteristics. He has attributes. And these attributes are like he is omnipotent, meaning he's all-powerful. You're not that, okay? God is all-knowing. He's omniscient. I'm not that. I can't find my keys most of the time. In fact, I have a tag on my keys that doesn't say if found. It says when found, call this number, okay? I'm not omniscient, trust me. But there is a side of God that we do share, and this is where we are in His, His essence, in His image, and that is what we would call His attributes that He communicates to us or his communicable attributes and it is this God is love and we too can be loving God is the creator and we can be creative God is forgiving and we can do that I mean there's a lot of things we can't do because we're not completely we're not divine but there is an essence of his nature that is fantastically loving and you as a human can be so beautiful in love and creativity and joy, and forgiveness, and, and these many, many characteristics of God. It also deals with likeness being um, identity. That's who you are. And very few of us understand the complexities of the identity of God that you share. Let me show you this little picture. So this picture is a little picture of a little two-inch piece of material. And just observe it for a second. And see what you can deduce by looking at this. You can say, well, it's tan, right? Tannish brown. It has some very clear markings on it, like, like somebody actually carved something. I know that nature can actually carve into stone because of pressures, but usually it doesn't produce this, right? So it looks like something produced that rock. And then also, there, there looks like a design of a master's hand just kind of moving through there. Because I can't chip rocks like that, can you? I mean, that's, that's some crafty work going on. Crafty work. That's, that's good work going on right there. But you also see a broken end. I, at least that's what I do. Do you think that looks like it's broken on the end? looks kind of jagged. That, that doesn't look like that was on purpose. And so that, that's kind of like us in a sense. There's some observations we can make about us. 
There's observations that you've made about yourself. You may say, you know what, I'm pretty good at math. You may say, I'm not really good at math. You might say, I'm really good at music. No, I'm not really good at music. You may say, I'm a really good athlete. And some may say, you know, I'm not that athletic. I'm not that coordinated. But you have some unique characteristics that you like. You might have some unique characteristics that you wish you had. Or you might just look at this and you go, you know what? I've got some pretty jagged edges. I wish somebody would polish those off. In fact, maybe I'll take a class. I don't know. Maybe I'll just hide them. Maybe I'll just cover it up so nobody will see this part of me. Or maybe other people have tried to cover that up and they broke you even more because they picked on your weaknesses. And so really what we try to do, if that represents us, then oftentimes we look at that and we go, you know what, if somebody just rounded off my little edges, that's the best that I could be. But that's not the true story of this little piece. In fact, most of us live according to a story, right? We have this tape recorder going off in our minds and we live according to a narrative. We, we march to a certain beat. By the way, that's why there's so many different styles of music that represent so many different cultures. It's because everybody has a different kind of story. And we, and we, and we gravitate to the music that hell tells the story that we like most. And we all have different kinds of ideas in our, <clears throat> in our minds that are value. Like some might even be thinking <clears throat> we should just eat Drink and be merry, for tomorrow we die. I'm going for the gusto. Some here may say, you know what? I just want to be the most popular person I possibly can. And you spend lots of times working on people liking you. And that's your story. You might, it might be that the bottom line is the most important part of your life and you just got to have one dollar more or you're not satisfied. Or maybe it's just image. Or <clears throat> maybe it's you really feel bad about yourself and you feel like you've got to always speak negative about yourself or maybe you you feel like you've always got to serve people because you don't want to ever make anybody mad and that's the storyline that you live and you're just trying to round off edges to be the best that you could be but this is just a broken part of a masterpiece let's look at the next slide you know what this is the 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 pity or the la pieta that's what that is it was is carved out by michelangelo at the end of the 15th century, like 1489. It's just a masterpiece. It's just so beautiful. And it's made out of a type of stone, just marble, a type of marble, a specific kind of marble, and just the detail of that. In fact, that's, that's bigger than human size. It's just massive piece of artwork. And so very few of us really know what we're really like in the image of God. We just feel like that little piece sometimes. That's all we've seen. That's all we've been told is that you're just this little piece, or maybe somebody who doesn't, who feels actually less human has mentored us our whole life, and that's why usually uh, sometimes we don't want to think about God as Father because maybe we had a bad father, and so if you're saying God as Father, that just doesn't resonate with me. I'd rather him be a football coach because I like my football coach, and we've had all these bad images of just something small, something broken, something that you don't see the whole picture. But when you and I begin to see the whole picture, man, it's spectacular of what it is to be absolutely beautifully human in the image and likeness of God. It's spectacular. So the little piece, do you know where the little piece come from? Go back to that slide. you know where that came from? The fact that we're really broken. So some wacko in 1972 walks into the Vatican with a little geology hammer and he went whacking 15 strikes before he was caught 
on the La Pieta and just smashed up. He, he broke Mary's, that's Mary holding Jesus, the dead body of Jesus, that's what it looks like, and broke her nose and, and broke all kinds of pieces. And as pieces began to fly, broken people who don't know better went and took the pieces and just took them and sold them. And some people gave them back the weeks later after they made an appeal, please bring the pieces back so we can fix it. So here you have this incredible artwork that somebody spent days and years sculpting and then broken people break things. That's what we do. So we're broken. Where's that brokenness come from? So we're made in the image of God. Let me, let me go over those things. You're in, the li- <clears throat> in the likeness of God, in the image of God, we have essence, therefore uh, we have value. We have identity. We belong to the Lord God Almighty. We are His identity. We are His impression as though a royal king having a signet ring and when he writes a document and they pour the wax on it and he impresses his own face, his own image right inside that wax as to say, this document is mine and you and I have the very image of God impressed upon us. So And then also we have responsibility, which is also power or ability. They were told to subdue the earth. So they were were in the garden, right? And things grow like crazy in the garden, kind of like now after having a lot of rain. Everything's green. Everything's beautiful. uh, And the birds are are so excited because there's millions of mosquitoes to eat and all this kind of things. The bats are going batty because they're eating like crazy. But the reality is, just wait till August. It's going to cheer up. It's going to get really hot and dry. It just will. That's the way it is. And so here's what we do. In the garden, they were to subdue the earth. They were still to produce. They still had, in a sense, dominion, if you will. And so I don't, I'm not a gardenist. Gardenist? I'm not a gardener. So if, if I were a gardener, I would have a, a territory, because I've seen gardens, I would have a, although, listen to this, about four years ago, we had the best tomatoes in the world. And I was sharing it with friends, and some of you got these tomatoes, until I realized that my septic tank had overflowed for a long time. And so uh, be careful when you go to potlucks. I'm just saying. That's all I have to say. So, <clears throat> so you, you make a boundary, and you make sure that what's, what's not supposed to be in there doesn't get in there, like rabbits or deer or weeds that, you know, weeds, they don't mean to grow in the wrong places. It just happens. And so you, you take care of things. And, and you guys who, who work with cattle or your farmers or cotton, grow cotton or, or, or vegetables and ladies, you do that, you understand these things because your feet are just grounded to the earth and you realize that there's something about taking care of nature. And, and, and other occupations don't necessarily lend to that, but those, those who work with, with their hands and they work in the dirt and they work with plants or livestock, they begin to understand what it means to subdue and to and to have boundaries, and to take care of. And, and that was even in the Garden of Eden when things were perfect and beautiful and wonderful. How much now are we to really take care of things? You're to take care of your bodies. You're to take care of your house. You're to take care of your money. You're to take care of your garden. And you are to literally have responsibility. And you do, because of the likeness and image of God, <clears throat> you have the ability. You're human. And that is a lofty term because you're made in the image of God. But there was a problem. So in the second creation story, it's just going back and going into more detail. Chapter two of Genesis, and he, he, he goes through day one through seven, because on the seventh day he rests, and then he goes back to day six because it is so fantastic. And here we have in chapter two, 
Looking at verse 4. I'm sorry, verse 6. But the mist would come, come up from the earth and water all the ground. Then the Lord God formed the man out of the dust from the ground, and he breathed the breath of life into his soul. And he became a living being in the very image and likeness of God. So he took dirt, which was here, earthen, something from the earth, and then he breathed into this body that he fashioned out of the dirt, and he breathed into it something supernatural. It's, the word here is soulish life, breath. That last, it didn't, it, it's not eternal because it didn't, it didn't live in eternity past, but, but your soul is eternal. You will live somewhere forever and ever and ever, and it is my prayer and all of my effort to see that you spend eternity in the presence of God. But if, if someone chooses not to accept Jesus, Lord and Savior, you will spend eternity in the judgment of the curse that we'll get to in a minute. It's a damnation. So there is a divine design, but then there is a deconstruction of what took place in God fashioning man, breathing in, into him his likeness and his image, which is incredibly lofty, but then there's a fall that takes place. Let's look in chapter 3. In chapter 3, it says there's the woman and she's in the garden and she's, she's doing her human thing of taking care of the garden, which is incredibly lofty, and a snake slithers up. It's Lucifer. And he comes up and he starts a conversation. And the conversation, he says, uh, why don't you eat some fruit of this tree? And uh, did God really say that you can't eat from any tree in the garden? That's verse 1. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat from the fruit from the trees in the garden, but about the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden, God said, you must not eat it or touch it or you will die. And that's true. God told Adam, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which is in the center of the garden. All the other vegetables, all the other fruit, all the other things here, you can eat. Don't eat this one. And then Satan, of course, he tells Eve what God said because she was created later. And then Eve starts in this conversation with Satan. And the woman said, no, we may not eat from the tree of the garden, but we can't even touch it. And verse 4, no, you will not die. That's what Lucifer says. She quotes God, the day you eat of it, you will die. And he goes, wait, 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 wait. No, it's not that. That's not the truth. Here's what the truth is. God has bad motives. God, he wants you to eat all this, but he knows if you eat of this one tree, look at what he says. This is very important. Listen to this. He says this. In fact, God knows that when you eat it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God knowing good and evil. And the woman saw that the tree was good for food and delight to look at, and it was desirable for obtaining wisdom. So she took some of its fruit and she ate it. And she also gave to her husband who was standing right there, who was with her, and then their eyes were both opened. So here's what he's saying. This is really interesting. In chapter one and chapter two, it says, God made man in his likeness and in his image. They were already like God, already like God. And then Lucifer comes up with a whole nother storyline, 
a whole nother narrative and deconstructs what God had developed in a divine design and he says this, no, 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 no. You're really not like God like you need to be after God just made him in his likeness, after they even had experienced it. And he said, there's something else. And that is Lucifer putting lies in the head, lies in the ears, so that they actually change their whole storyline and adopt a whole nother philosophy of life. And she took it, she ate it, and there was damage, a deconstruction to damnable proportions that took place. That's what happened. That's what happens to us. So we're made in the likeness of God. We are created. He created us out of dust. He blew into us. And then there was this fall. And the very thing that God prizes the most, life, we become those that we're selfish about life. We're destroyers of life. We're confusers of life. And we never really discover what life is all about. That might be true for some of you. It's like you're looking for, you're looking, uh, that you really want to matter? Well, the reality is God has already made you in His image. He has given you value. He has given you purpose. And all these things that people are looking for, God has already given it because there is a smearing, there is a silencing, there is a blinding to the image of God. And when you and I begin to understand we are made in the likeness of God to enjoy Him forever, the chief end of man is to know Him and enjoy Him forever, and we barely even recognize that fact and there's all kinds of confusion and all kinds of lies and all kinds of stories that we jump into and God is trying to say to you I created you I put my image in you you are like me now look up and receive salvation because that's exactly what we needed because of the damage of the design Jesus came to die on the cross to take away the curse so that you and I not just go to heaven. Now, let me, under, let, me, let me make this clear. We could talk and we will talk about all eternity, about the salvation of our soul and what happened on the cross, what happened in the grave, and what happened in the resurrection. But let me say this. That was a mean to an end. Some people think that they need to receive Christ so they can get some fire insurance and they go and live as they please. You don't understand what God is doing here. You've misunderstood the gospel. Misunderstood it. So the gospel is, God created you in his image. You and I are his image bearers. We are the imagers. It's, it's like what you're seeing on the screen right now, there's a camera somewhere. No, no, not a camera. What's it called? Yeah, and it's projecting and it's imaging on an incredible canvas. That right there is not a book. It's not hands. It's not words. It's just vividly showing the, showing the image so you can understand. You and I are are perfect imagers of the presence of God when we walk in the power of the blood of the Lord Jesus who brings us back to the original state. Do you hear what I'm saying here? Really, really powerful. So the word that's used for image, the Hebrew word is the same word that's used for likeness or image, and, and it's... Uh, it's like when Pharaoh or when Ramses in Egypt, and he'd build this massive 50-foot statue of, his, of himself as you're coming into the road to Egypt, and you'd see this massive statue, and it would say this. It would say, just the picture. You'd go, that's Pharaoh. I'm in Pharaoh's kingdom. I'm, I'm, I better obey his rules. I, I, I'm going to experience the benevolence of all of his grace, his wisdom of making Egypt so wonderful. 
I'm now in his presence. And you see that with Nebuchadnezzar. You see it with Alexander the Great. You see it all over. When they would conquer a territory, bam, there would be an image of them erected. And everybody who comes in the room, they go, hey, this belongs to Alexander the Great. This belongs to Pharaoh. And I'm walking into their kingdom. That same word for the image or statue is the same word that you were made in the image of God. You're in the likeness of God. And so here's what it's supposed to be like. Okay? We're, 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 we're trying to remember the original story here, the original narrative. Listen to me. Here's what it's like. I'm made in the image of God. And because of that, I can relate to God really, really well. Really well. And now I know His plan. And I'm on board. And I love it. And this is before any do's and don'ts, right? It's way before any do's and don'ts. And then now, everything I do in the garden and everything I do uh, for the Lord is a representation of the beauty of the Lord. And the way that I treat people, the way that I act, it's not about self anymore. It's about me imaging God beautifully, vividly, perfectly. Why does he tell you to love one another? Because he loves people. Why does he tell you to forgive other people? Because he forgives people. Even those who mock him, even those who nailed him to a cross, forgive. That's what he says. Give to one another. Why do we give to other people? Because he gave to us. Yeah. Why do we tell people when they're crossing the lines and going out of boundary? Because that's what he does for us. We image the very presence of God. The problem is, We've been damaged. We've been deconstructed by our own sin. We've bought into another storyline. But Jesus comes, who is part earth. He's man. 100% man, 100% God. Come together on earth, and he says, now let me show you how this is done. And he showed us. He says, I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. When you've seen the Father, you have seen who? Isn't that right? When you've seen me, you have seen who? The Father. The perfect imager. And then he goes to the cross and he dies. He takes the penalty of all the deconstruction, of all the bad storylines, of all the sin, and all that you and I have done so that that would be moved out of the way. His Holy Spirit come inside of us and now we could walk with him and restore the image. Now God's been restoring the image of Him inside of me since 19... A long time, brother. <laughs> a long time. 1977. Before most of you were even born, right? And He's been working. He's been using trials. I don't like those, but they actually have turned out good. He's been using all of you, not in trials, but in blessings, <laughs> right? He's using those that are really close to me who that when I'm not really acting in the image of God, they might say, hey, I got a question. Or can I say something? Can we go in the tunnel? Can we talk? And I'm like, you're right. That's not very imaging of me. And it's not, a, listen, God doesn't want to make you a better image of you. He wants to make you beautifully human as you bear the very image of God. Folks, this will change your life. It'll change the way you see things. It'll change the way you receive things. It'll change the way you respond to people's junk. It just changes everything about you when you understand Genesis 1-1, Genesis 2, 6, and 7, and 8. When you understand the curse and the fall and the redemptive story so that we can walk and reveal God in all of His beauty. 
Thank you again for listening to audio from Pastor Mac Roller at Glenmeadows Baptist Church. For previous sermons and more information, please check out our website at gmbc.org.